So in 2023, we are going through the Bible from beginning to end on Sunday mornings and also reading the Bible together. And so one of the things that we've done is we have given out these reading guides, and so there's more on the table out there. If you are new or newer, you didn't grab one of these, I encourage you to get one. And it's really been exciting for me just to have conversations with so many different people who are saying, man, I'm reading the Bible for the first time, or I'm getting so much out of this, or I appreciate the plan. And just a lot of encouragement has come my way. Um, what has also come my way is questions uh, about what people have read. And so I want to give you two resources uh, if you're doing this, and I encourage you uh, to do this because we're doing it as a church, but two resources which I think are very helpful. The first is a website uh, which is called gotquestions.org, if you want to write that down. And so if you get to something that you read and you're like, this is weird, I don't understand this, how does this fit in, why do they do this? And you just type that in at gotquestions.org, and it'll give you probably three or four articles related to your question, and one of those will most likely be a direct answer to the question that you have. So that's gotquestions.org. The other resource is this. Uh, There's a group called The Bible Project, uh, and they do a variety of things. Uh, But where something that they do that really overlaps with us is with every book of the Bible, The Bible Project puts out an overview video Uh, that's kind of animated, narrated of that particular book of the Bible. Uh, And so I would encourage you, as you are reading through the Bible in a year, whenever you get to a new book, is just take a few minutes uh, and watch one of those videos. Just type in the Bible Project and then Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy or Joel or whatever it might be, whatever book you're starting, uh, and it'll give you a video. So the one for this week, so if you're following the reading plan, we start in Leviticus uh, this week. Uh, it's an eight-minute, 17-second video, and it'll be well worth 18, min- 18 minutes, 17 seconds of your life. Um, so I encourage you to do that as you begin new books. The other thing I would encourage you, if you are new or new to River Ridge and you are like, ah, I haven't really started this, or I started for a day or two, and I, don't try and catch up. Okay, just start with tomorrow. Tomorrow, or today or tomorrow, whichever way you look at it, is Levit- the book of Leviticus. Uh, I think there's maybe four, five, three, four readings in there, and then you go to the next one. So don't try and catch up. Just start today. Go back if you have time, but uh, you'll do much better if you do that way. So this morning, open up to Genesis chapter 22. Open up to Genesis chapter 22, Okay. Now, before we jump into this passage, and you can open up on your phone, your paper Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me. Uh, but as, before we jump into this, I want you to think about, and I want to get us all thinking about, what things do we value in life? What are our kind of these things I, I, I love and I wouldn't want to part with, okay? So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and sort of an either or, and if you had to give up one or the other, what would you give up, Okay. So, um, the first one is you had to give up heat in your house or air conditioning in your house, okay? Heat or air conditioning. How many of you would give up heat in your house? Okay, how many of you would give up air conditioning in your house? Okay, all right. That's about a 50-50 split there, which is surprising because it's winter. Okay, here's another one, ready? Uh, If you had to give up having a dishwasher in your house, or you had to give up having a washing machine in your house? Ooh. Okay, how many of you would give up the dishwasher? Ooh. I'm not talking about your wife. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, How many of you would give up the uh, washing machine? 
Wow, okay. Might have to switch that. Was, okay. Um, how about this one? These are two. Uh, the, uh, okay. What if you had to give up having a cell phone versus giving up eating dessert? <laughs> How many of you would give up cell phone? Okay. How many of you would give up dessert? Oh, interesting. Okay. Last one. Give up your mother-in-law or give up your dog? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. <laughs> all right. Um, that is all the fun that we're going to have this morning. Um, so we do, we've got a great story ahead of us, um, and it's the story about a man who is asked to give up something incredibly valuable to him, and his name is Abraham, uh, and he's asked to give up something valuable. He's also asked to give up or told to give up kind of his, his purpose, what, the purpose that God has given him to live and what his legacy will be. And his name is Abraham, and we're going to look at his story this morning. Uh, but I wanted to start with kind of what's important to you, because I just wanted us to get thinking along those lines a little bit. So Genesis 22.1 just begins with this. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him. So we're going to stop right there. So it has these words. It says, And after these things. So these things really, those two words encompass a whole lot. The last 10 chapters of the book of Genesis have been about the life of Abraham. And, and hopefully you read some of this over the last uh, number of weeks. Uh, but Abraham is, God calls Abraham to leave his, uh, where he's from. And he says, I want you to just go this direction. And when you get to where I want you to stop, then I'll tell you to stop. And Abraham steps out in faith and he does that. And then God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. And this nation is going to be so great and so large that you're not even going to be able to count the number of descendants that you have. And then there's a lot of ups and downs, and, which are kind of too numerous to, to go through, and it's all in the book of Genesis. It's great reading of uh, these ups and downs. And then they get to the kind of the near the end of his life, or what he thinks might be the end of his life, uh, and he doesn't have a son with his wife, Sarah. Right? And he's 100 years old, and she is 90 years old. And finally, she gives birth to a son, and they name him Isaac. And so now we get to Genesis 22. And after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, if you brought your Bible or if you can highlight in your phone, I want you to highlight or underline those three words, here I am, because those are significant, and they're going to come up a couple of different times as we read through this passage together. And so God says, Abraham, and Abraham answers, here I am. Now, Abraham at this point has been walking with God for about 30 years. And, I, and I'm not going to say he's been walking closely with God because he had some times of incredible intimacy with God, but also some times where he really blew it, and then some times of restoration. But when God says, Abraham, and he answers, here I am, his answer is not saying, hey, I'm over here in Canaan. God, in case you forgot where I am, I'm, I'm, I'm here I am, I'm over here. It's not that sort of here I am. The statement here I am means, here I am, open and available to whatever you want to tell me. He's saying, I am yours, and all that I have, I place in your hands. I open my hand, I open my life to anything that you would want to give me or to take 
from me. Here I am. And it's kind of an open-ended here I am. It's sort of like if you've got children, right? And your, your, your son or your daughter comes to you and says, Dad, I have a question for you. But you have to say yes, right? And if you have kids, you've probably been in that situation. I mean, you have to say yes. And any good parent is not going to go, oh, yeah, whatever you want. I mean, because they may ask for like an extra dessert, which you could say yes to, or they ask for like a pony or a little brother. It's like, well, we're not going there, right? So it's like, I'm not going to say yes. It depends what you ask for. But Abraham is not saying, he says, God, whatever you ask of me, my hand is open and I will say yes. So then here's what he says, verse two. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, if you're hearing that for the first time, or when you read that for the first time, you probably had to do a double take. It's like, did, did, I, did I hear that right? Go to the land of Moriah and offer your son as a burnt offering. And if you're Isaac, you're, I mean, if you're Abraham, you're like, did I really hear that right? And if we're us, we're like, did we really hear that right? That doesn't seem like something God would do, like sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. That's just... Doesn't, it doesn't line up. Now remember, it begins and it says in these things God tested Abraham. So we as the reader are alerted that there's something else going on here. Did Abraham know it? I think he had some idea and we'll get to that in a minute. But it's interesting, the words that God uses, right? And pay attention to this. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac. It says your only son, now, here's what's interesting about this, right? Is Isaac was not Abraham's only son. That Abraham had another son whose name was Ishmael. And as he was trying, as, um, you know, God said, you're going to be the father of many nations, and it's going to be with Sarah. Well, Abraham and Sarah got kind of impatient. And so what happened is that Abraham had a child named Ishmael through um, Sarah's servant, whose name was Hagar. Right? And so when he says your only son, it wasn't actually his only son, but it was his only son of which this promise that God had given him would be fulfilled. It says, Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a child. Through that child, Isaac, Isaac is now born, it will be a great nation. And so I share that with you, and it's important because not only is God asking Abraham to give up his son Isaac, but he's also asking him or telling him, you're giving up the dream. This dream that you have of whatever it is, of, of the father of many nations or the dreams that God maybe have given us of our hope and our future, God is saying, I'm taking that away from you because your one and only son, Isaac, is to be sacrificed. Here's the first truth for us, is God calls us to sacrifice. God calls us to sacrifice. And, you know, this morning as I was praying about this message and, and just even thinking through this, like my prayer is that God would bring to mind to you the things that he wants you to sacrifice. That God calls us to live sacrificial lives, sacrificing for other people, sacrificing for him. 
And so this morning, maybe God is calling you to give something up, to open your hand to say, this is the Lord's. I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. And the thing about God asking us to give stuff up, sometimes God says, hey, it's time to give this up. This has been a vice. This has been a problem. This has been a difficulty. This has been something in your life that it's time to stop that. That would be the sacrifice, right? But sometimes what God asks us to sacrifice is something good, something that we love doing, some interest that we have. And God says, it's time to give that up. I have something else for you. I want you to sacrifice to open yourself up to whatever possibilities may lay ahead. And so this morning, God may have something like that on your heart. And as you listen to me, make sure you're listening to the Holy Spirit as he might prompt you. you know, my wife Stacy, the way she often says it is, God said, just lay it down. I just, I just lay this before God and I say, it's yours. I'm not going to take it up. That's her kind of way of saying I'm sacrificing it. So I want to skip down to verse 12, and then we'll come back and go through the story. But it says this. It says, For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now, I want to put this verse up there again, but I want to leave it with a blank, just so you can kind of see it visually. And we'll put it up here on the screen with the blank in it. And it says this. I left it blank. It says, I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld blank from me. So the question that I want you to wrestle with God with is what goes in that blank? What might God be saying to you to put in that blank that you have not withheld this from me? As you do that, you may open your hand. And, and here's the thing is, is what I want you to understand is what we're doing is we're opening our hand. We're saying, God, here I am. Right? Everything that I have is yours. And that doesn't necessarily mean that God is going to take it, right? It doesn't mean that God's going to take it. Like if I open my hand, I say, okay, God, my career is yours. My, my children are yours. That doesn't mean that God is going to take your children, right? But what it means is we say, all that I have, here I am, it is yours, Lord. And he may take it. He may leave it. He may, I don't know. But it's that posture of saying, here I am. All that I have is yours. So then verse 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So there's two time references in here that I want you to pay attention to. The first is this, early in the morning. So it says, Abraham rose early in the morning. And this is a great picture of obedience, right? It doesn't say, and then Abraham waited a couple days and then he left. Or, God, and then he, or Abraham left after lunch. It doesn't even say he left the next morning. It says he left the next morning early in the morning. Right? And I think that's such a great picture of obedience. Like, he gets to it as quick as he possibly can. One of the things it seems like I talk about every two or three months is what we in our men's group call the 10-second rule. That if God lays something on your heart, 
then respond and put it to action within 10 seconds, right? Because if you don't, then you're going to talk yourself out of it. And this is kind of a, a picture of what that looks like. At the first possible moment, Abraham wakes up early with his son, with two servants, and off they go. Here's the other time reference in here that I want us to notice. On the third day, this is verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So think about this. He goes for a three-day journey. Those three days must have been absolutely agonizing because he knows what's at the end of it. Like these are the last three days with his son, and then he's got to sacrifice his son. And I mean, I don't know about you, but like when I know that something painful is happening, whether it's physical pain or whether it's a conversation pain or a medical thing, whatever it is, like if there's something painful, like I'm a rip a band-aid off quick kind of guy. Like just get it over with. Like I just want the pain done now. But Abraham has to walk for three days. And you kind of wonder what was the conversation like between he and his son? Before we move on, I do want to make kind of an important caution here. The moral of the story, the point of the story, is not no matter how crazy God says to do something, just go ahead and do it right away without giving any thought to it. Like, that's not the moral of the story here. Because remember this, is Abraham has walked with God for 30 years. He's heard his audible voice. And so I wouldn't want somebody here to you know, do something, you know, hairy, crazy, harebrained idea. But here's the other thing. Is Abraham had an idea of what God might be up to. So listen to this next verse, verse 5. It says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you again. So he says to the servants, you guys stay here. Isaac and I, both of us, we're going to go over there, and then both of us are going to come back. Right? So Abraham knows that God is up to something because he tells him, he says, we are going, Isaac and I are both going, and then we're both coming back. That word come is a, it's plural, it's first person plural, right? We're both coming back. The book of Hebrews sheds some interesting commentary on this. This is Hebrews chapter 11, which is a chapter that goes through all of these kind of heroes of faith of the Old Testament. It says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. So Abraham believed that God could do anything, and he was saying, well, maybe what will happen is I'll take him there, I'll sacrifice him, and then God will raise him from the dead, and we'll go back to the servants. See, he had some idea that God was up to something bigger. And it says this. It says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they both went so, so, they, so, excuse me, so they went, both of them, together. So the best estimates is that Isaac at this point was probably about 13 or 14 years old. And so they leave the servants, they set off, and they have the wood, uh, they have the fire, and they have the knife. But there's one thing that, there's, that they're missing 
for a burnt offering. And Isaac picks up on this, right? Isaac, you see the bug there, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not scared. Um, so, but they're walking, right? You go, okay, we got the fire. We got the wood. We got the knife. Where's the burnt offering? Isaac picks up on this. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went, so they went both of them together. That phrase came up again, here I am. And I love that. It's just kind of a picture of Abraham saying, here I am. I'm here for you, God, and I'm here for Isaac, right? And, and that's just a great picture of our posture. I'm here for you, God. My, God, God I, my, my life is open to whatever you need, but I'm also open to caring and loving people. So Isaac asks him, where's the sacrifice? And then, God, and then Abraham says, God will provide. God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Then verse 9. It says, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Can you imagine how hard that was for Abraham? I mean, they're there in the place. And he sets up the wood for the burnt offering. And then he takes Isaac and he lays on the altar and he binds him there on this wood altar that he has built. How hard would that be? But here's the other thing that's really interesting. Isaac is a willing participant. He trusts his father that much. Because remember the age differences? So at this point, Abraham is about 113 years old, and Isaac is 13 years old, right? So my dad is 93 He's getting up there in age. He is frail at 93. Add another 20 years to him, and he's going to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're, if, we're, if you're picking sides in a brawl, like, I'm picking the 13-year-old over the 113-year-old every time. You know what I'm saying? And so if Isaac doesn't want to be laid down on that altar, he doesn't have to. But he willingly laid down his life. He, put, he said, I am willing to do this. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord came to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Open to do whatever God led him to do. He was willing to go the whole way to slay his son. The knife is out. The hand is raised. And at the last second, God comes in and says, Abraham, Abraham. He goes, here I am. What do you want next from me? He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham doesn't withhold anything from God. 
Everything that I have is yours, Lord. My hand is open. All that you want from me is open to you. Even Isaac, even the blessing, even the future, even the father of a great nation. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said on this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This is so significant, what he names the place. He names the place the Lord will provide, right? Here's what he doesn't name the place. He doesn't name the place Abraham obeyed the Lord. He doesn't name it the Lord desires obedience. The Lord rewards obedience. He doesn't name it obedience wins the day. He doesn't name it Abe's mountain, right? He doesn't name it any of those things because it's not about Abraham and his obedience. It's about God is the provider. That takes us to the second truth about God is that God provides. God provides. When we open our hand and say, all that I have is yours, God provides for us. God gives us what we need in that moment. When we open our hand and say, I put my future in your hands, whether I have this or whether I don't have this, whether I get what I want or whether I don't get what I want, I put it in your hands because you, God, are the provider. It's about God's character that we want to see in this. Here's the thing, is sometimes we open up our hand and we say, God, what I have is yours. But sometimes we don't. And sometimes we just have a kind of a closed fist about it. And there are times where God opens up our hand and takes something from us that we haven't offered to him. A vision of the future, a dream, a child, a relationship, a marriage. And sometimes that's God taking it for whatever purpose that we don't quite understand. And sometimes it's the sin and cause of somebody else in your life that they've caused just a brokenness where you didn't say take it, but some friend came and snatched because of their, or enemy because of their poor choices, and now you are at a loss. And here's what I want us to understand, that even in those moments, even in those times, that God is the provider. And you may have lost something incredibly valuable to you. And you never really opened up your hand and said, God, it's yours, but you lost it. But God still in that moment comes in and provides what you need provides the comfort, provides the future, provides the people to come alongside you, that God is the provider to you. That's why he named the place, the Lord, it shall be provided. I want to share one more truth with you this morning, and it's going to pave the way for us to take communion together. And if you're taking notes, it's actually the same words that we put in before. Jesus' sacrifice provides salvation. Jesus' sacrifice provides salvation. That one of the things that this story does from Genesis 22 is it looks forward to the crucifixion 
of Christ. And there's a number of parallels, and I want, us, I want us to see these parallels before we take communion. So one of them is that Abraham, the father, is willing to sacrifice his son. And likewise, our heavenly father is willing to sacrifice his son, Jesus. Here's another comparison. Isaac willingly goes and is willing to be sacrificed. And likewise, Jesus willingly sacrifices his life for yours. Third comparison. Is Isaac carried the wood to the place of sacrifice? And Jesus carried his cross to the place of sacrifice when he died on the cross for you. And then there's one more, and I, and I find this the most interesting of all. The place that he was to be sacrificed, that Abraham was sacrificing Isaac, it was Moriah. It was called Mount Moriah. It was a mountain top in Moriah, this area they called Moriah. That's what they called it in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it went by a different name. It went by the name of Calvary, of Mount Calvary. And that's where Jesus was crucified. The same location that Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. God sacrificed his son Jesus for you. He is the provision for your salvation and for my salvation. And so in a few minutes, we're going to take communion. And we're going to give you a little bit longer time just to reflect to consider, and I would encourage you to do kind of two things. Is one, to wrestle with what God is saying to you through this message. Asking, am I willing to sacrifice? Is God calling me to sacrifice something? And the other is, do I believe, do I live knowing and believing that God will provide everything that I need? And then you'll have the elements when you came in and you had a little cup with the juice. And that represents the blood of Christ which was shed for you. And the bread represents the body of Christ which was broken for you. And to remember that Jesus Christ is your provider. That, that he is the sacrificial lamb. That, that we have no way to salvation unless Jesus dies on the cross for us. We can't earn our way. We can't read our way. We can't pray our way. We can't. There's nothing that we and ourselves can do. The only way to salvation is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And to take the time and remember that this morning. If you're new to River Ridge or newer to River Ridge, you don't need to be a member here. You don't need to be a regular. The only thing that we ask is that you've placed your faith in Christ. And if you're here this morning and you haven't placed your faith in Christ, I encourage you to do that this morning, to say, I place my faith in you, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of my sins, that I might have eternal life and abundant life. No one will tell you when to take communion. When you've had just some time to contemplate, to consider, to remember these things, then take communion. Remember the blood of Christ shed for you, the body of Christ broken for you, because he provides the way for salvation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we take communion this morning, I pray that you would help us to remember these things, that you are 
provider. That you sacrificed your son, Jesus Christ, that we might have eternal life. Let that truth sink into our hearts and our minds this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.